Hi, my name is Christy, and this podcast is my pursuit to glean practical wisdom on femininity, homemaking, finances, and relationships from the God-fearing women in my life. Hope you enjoy this journey with me as we learn to smile at the future. Now let's dive right in. Hi, and welcome back. We are about to jump into the second half of the interview with Marcia on caring for aging loved ones. But before we do that, I'm going to ask a huge favor of you. If you are personally benefiting from this content and it's encouraging you, would you do a favor and rate and review the podcast? It will help other lonely single women find it and be encouraged by it as well. Um, No, that's more just a joke, but it does help with the algorithm and it does help more people to find it. So I cringe even asking you to do that. I never thought I would, but um, thought it would be worthwhile to mention it. So please rate, review, comment, and it also encourages my heart to get feedback and to know that it is helping other people. And today, as we jump into the second half of the interview with Marcia, she's going to share just specifics and details of how she was able to keep a joyful spirit in the midst of this ongoing and difficult trial. And she's also going to share how she navigated thinking that she was missing out on opportunities and on life um, in a caregiving role, which did pull her out of a lot of things within church and social functions. So she's going to share her mindset, and it was really helpful for me to hear it, and I know it will encourage you as well. So without further ado, we will jump right back in. And as a single woman, you know, you don't have that companion, that person who can maybe in person encourage you and help bear that load. You're, you are relying on the Lord for that companionship and comfort in that season. Exactly. Even things like, you know, you need to get, take your car in for servicing and yet, you know, you have to find somebody to be with her while doing that. It's just, you know, just the everyday things of life that you, you have no one to share with as a single person. You know, most of my friends are other single women who also work <laughs> full time. I'm really not good about asking for help. You know, that's one of the things uh, if we want to talk about some practical things to share is ask for help when you need it. I I was not good at doing that, but I had close enough friends who could see the needs and jump in or would ask me that they knew me well enough that they knew that I wouldn't ask. But it's really crucial. You're going to need the help and there's no shame in it. So ask for the help. Yeah. And people are usually wanting to help. They just don't know how. So like asking, okay, would you, would you call on these days and just talk to my, my mom or give specific ways that somebody can help? And usually people will jump to help. It's not that they're not willing. They just don't know how. Right. Because with one of my medical issues, I actually required surgery. I did not want to burden my mom. I knew she would worry. So I did reach out to one of my aunts and asked if I if she would care for my mom for two weeks. That was the amount of time I was going to need for recovery. And she was more than happy to do that. In thinking back, I can't believe I actually did this. I put my mom on a plane by herself. They allowed me, <laughs> they allowed me to get her to walk, get her all the way to the gate. 
because, you know, with security after 9-11, they weren't allowing that too much. And then my aunt met her on the other end. Again, God's grace was just so evident through it all. He got her there safely. And my aunt, she had a wonderful time with her sister, just being away, not knowing why. She just thought she was getting a holiday with her sister. She didn't know that I was ill. So that was another blessing. So yeah, my aunt was just happy to help. So people do want to help and you just have to let them know how. And again, I didn't even think for myself. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go in for the surgery. I'll drive myself there. I'll come home. And I didn't tell my siblings until the week before, or just maybe days before the surgery. And my sisters, what are you thinking? Of course I'm coming. <laughs> I'm going to come out. I'm like, no, it's not necessary. I'm just, you know, they said it was, and she said, no, 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 I'm going to be there. And I so, it ended up, I realized I really did need to have her there. And so, yeah, God, again, was just gracious. So don't, don't be stubborn, don't be prideful. Just definitely ask for the help and be specific with what you need. Very helpful. Thank you. So when, when you're in it, I think we touched on this a little bit, but how do you have a positive attitude and mindset? We know that these types of situations and trials are from the hand of God to us. They're not something that came out of the blue. He brought it along for our good. So how did you keep positive and happy and joyful in the midst of a long and exhausting season? Well, I'll have to be honest and say there were times that I was not joyful, but I knew based on scripture, honor your, your mother and father, that as it was my duty. Even at the times when I was not joyful, I, again, working in a Christian environment, I, you know, working for Master Seminary, I knew a lot of the students, a lot of the alumni. I got encouraged by so many of them praying and just writing me notes about how they were praying for my mom and me and just having really, really good friends around to come over. As a matter of fact, in my journal, one of my friends gave me to keep notes. She had written this quote, to the world, you may be one person. But one person, you may be the world. And so my mom's world had shrunk to me. And I realized that I had two options. I could feel self-pity and be down about it. Or I could just honor the Lord and be a joy for her. So we would do things. I would, you know, do puzzles with her. Again, she loved gardening. I'm horrible at gardening, but because that's what she loved, I have a friend who is a florist. And so she took a day and took my mom to a nursery and they just had a lot of fun buying all these different plants and flowers. And so I made that her domain. So just the patio with the plants and the flowers, just thinking of ways to bring her joy, which would the end help me just take a little bit of the worry. Again, finding activities that she could do, having my friends come around. I would make special efforts on her birthday and Mother's Day to just make them really, really special for her. Were there ever, um, I know for a lot of women, probably single women too, in this role, you feel like you're missing out on life or, you know, it, it takes you out of a lot of circles and a lot of activities that you would normally want to do and vacations and trips. How was that for you? Did you think through that? And how did you encourage yourself through those types of thoughts? Again, like I said, just bringing as much of it into the home as I could. I couldn't go out as much as I wanted to. So I tried to bring as much as it to me as I could. Again, when my friend would come to take my mom for a day for a manicure or something like that, then, then I would make a plan to do something for myself that day or just make that a day for me where I could 
do stuff for myself. I was able, believe it or not, to go on a mission trip. My sister um, did agree to come and stay with my mom one summer so that I could go on a short-term mission trip, which was such a, such a blessing to be able to still do that. Because I was still going out to work each day, I still had time away from the house to do that. But I wanted to also add that your mindset and attitude prior to this kind of emergency happening or this season of life where, where the change occurred, caring for your loved one, if you are already steeped in knowing and believing in God's sovereignty, if you already have that cultivated in your heart, then it doesn't become a hardship. Just even like people would say, oh, you know, you're single, you've never married, you know, is that hard? When you get to understand that God has you where he has you for your good and for his glory, it doesn't become hard. You already have that mindset. So you're not feeling so much that you're missing anything. Oh, that is so key. Yes. Even though from people looking out in, you know, one of my aunts, especially, and they're not believers, my two aunts, they think they are. One is Catholic, one is Episcopalian. So they would worry for me on that score. But finding that contentment in the Lord and just knowing that, you know, my mom, who was this vibrant person, who's now reduced to her world centers around me and what I can do for her, you want to do the best. You want to make it as as happy for them as you can. And in doing that, you yourself find contentment. Isn't that so true? Once you take the eyes off of yourself and you're meeting the needs and ministering to somebody else, that is really, that is true. That's, that's what brings real joy and happiness is taking the eyes off of ourselves. And I feel like we find that in so many other areas of life, just serving in the church. I don't know for you, but whenever I'm feeling sad about some particular thing in my life, as soon as I get out of the house, meet with somebody else, encourage them, pray with them, boy, does that lift my spirit so much. And God designed the church to be that way, to be encouraging each other. You know, I think of the verse, First uh, Timothy 5, 4, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. And how that, what you're doing when you are, you know, caring for your loved one, scripture is clear that that should fall to the family before it does the church. If, if a widow doesn't have any family or anyone, that's when the church takes up her needs and care. But if you have family to do that, that that is pleasing in the sight of God. And that's what we want our lives to be pleasing, a sweet aroma to him. So, you know, so much of the, the day-to-day care that you were doing and the other women in this role are doing is not seen by others or underappreciated by the person that we might be caring for because maybe they're not fully aware of their situation, but knowing that this is pleasing in the sight of God and he's the only one we care about and whose opinion we care about. And so living for that audience of one, I think is really helpful in that mindset. Yes. And, and, you know, like, even if you can't get out, like I said, just being creative, you know, having the study at home, prayer is always key. I'm just noticing my prayer journal was just so full praying for other people, you know, involving my mom in prayer. She was really good about writing cards to people. You know, I'd take her out. She could pick out some, some 
greeting cards. And actually she made cards at some point at the senior center. So yeah, just, you know, thinking outside of the box and being creative. And like you said, taking your eyes off self and just there, there's so many prayer requests that I had during that time. And so many people that I was able to pray for just took your eyes off your own situation. Another blessing was there were two single girls in the building where we lived for part of the time that lived upstairs and they had Bible study in their home as well. That was hosted. They hosted and a seminary student taught. And so my mom and I could just go up there as well for Bible study. So we never had to go out, but we were still able to get fellowship with other people during that. So exactly. So, yeah. So again, God just, and I didn't know them before, but again, just through this, got to know them and mm. That's really neat. Yeah. Having it close by is, is needful. Yeah. And I th- another thing I was thinking about just when my family, we did a lot of the care for my grandparents on both sides and my mom and dad did most of that care, but my older siblings, I was younger at the time, but they did a lot of the care. But one thing that helped the whole family, I think, especially if someone has dementia, they're, you know, they're not the person that they once were. And, um, and that's really difficult to walk that road of you're seeing someone you love so much fade in that way and not recognize you anymore. But one thing that we would do, we would look through photos and watch old videos with them and just think on who they are and who they were and remember that. And also, especially if it's a parent, you know, looking back at pictures of when you were little and seeing how they cared for you and remembering that love and just that I think uh, caring for someone with a thankful heart and being able to serve them in the same way that they served you is so helpful. So remember all that your mother and father did for you. And in a small way, you can reciprocate and give that back to them as well. Yeah. And that was really key, Christy, because my mom traveled a lot in her life. And she, again, she was into scrapbooking and she had all these albums. So yeah, we would pull those out. And even with the caregivers, that was something she could do during the day with, when she was there with them, they, they'd just go through the albums with her and she would talk about where she'd been. And, you know, she didn't always remember perfectly, but something sometimes would bring a memory. And that was really helpful. One thing that I, especially in assisted living, I was working with people that everyone had dementia, basically, to some level. And so you do learn a lot of patience because you're repeating the same thing multiple times. Not only do people not remember what you just said, but they can't hear you half the time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was a big issue for us, the lack of hearing. Oh, yeah. One thing I learned is, you know, it's easy to become like a fact checker or try to correct people's stories or information or you know, just, you don't have to be that person. You don't have to do that. There a lot of the stories and things they're sharing. It doesn't matter if they get, get a location wrong or something, and you don't want to be in that place of always correcting them and making them aware of their um, memory issues. So just choosing your battles, what's a necessary correction, what's not. And then even with choosing your battles, knowing what things, you know, for instance, if you're trying to correct their diet, to help help them be healthier, knowing how to do that. Is it necessary? They've lived their whole life up to this point. Fine. Is it worth fighting over whether they eat their broccoli or not or something like that? So knowing what things are important, what things aren't, what things can go and finding ways to 
encourage them in the right way, but not forcing them to do certain things. I remember, I'm good, glad you brought up the diet because I remember my mom loved shrimp. It was one of her favorite foods, but she had high cholesterol. So I would try to give her eggs and she said, oh, no, 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 I can't have eggs because it's not good for your cholesterol. I said, but you like to eat shrimp and that's worse for your cholesterol. And then one day my boss said to me, uh, he's like, your mom is at the age. What does it matter if she eats two shrimp, if she eats shrimp, if she wants to let her have some shrimp? I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yes. And there's, there's ways that you can encourage them to be healthy without having to be the one harping on it all the time. And I think like one way is setting an alarm or something on their phone or writing it down so that, you know, it doesn't have to be you, your voice that they hear all the time telling them to drink water or to eat their food or, you know, finding ways to, to give them that little bit of independence, take you out of the mix for some of that. Yeah, and as the dementia increased, of course, and it, um, I, I had to actually pull back my work hours so that I could be home more because she would try to get out. And yeah, there were just a, a lot of interviews. She needed a lot more attention during that time. So again, employers were just so gracious and allowed me to work from home a certain number of days a week so I could be here. Because again, caregiving becomes expensive when you have to pay for it. And you might think you have enough to last, but you don't know how long the illness is going to last, as you mentioned before. And so for 11 years, you know, it's a long time. So then I, I have to assume more and more time at home with her just because financially it wasn't feasible to have round the clock care when she needed. So that was also very helpful. And I think one thing that's key to remember too, as you're in a caregiving role is that, and I think even what mothers experience this with babies that, you know, God's the one who's going to take care of them and you, and you're not the only one that they're dependent on for life and health. Like there's so many things we can't control. We can't control the environment perfectly for their health and safety and realizing there's a lot we have to just or cast those burdens onto the Lord. And I think there's a passage in Isaiah 46, four, And it says, even to your old age, I am he. And to your gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made you and I will bear. I will carry and will save. So just knowing that God has his special eye and care on that older generation. And he's the one who's going to carry them and us as we're caring for them. But just not bearing the weight of the burden that it's all on us, that we have to make everything perfect for them, but knowing that God is going to carry both of us. And the other thing too, is that sometimes they themselves become discouraged. There were a couple of times when my mom was just, you know, she says, I don't know why, especially as other friends, her age were, were dying. She would say, why, why does the Lord keep me? I'm ready to go. And so just at those times to truly encourage them. And it's helpful when your loved one is a believer because, you know, scripture always speaks to the heart. You can always turn to scripture and remind them of who God is and his sovereignty over all things. There were a couple of times where she got discouraged and they don't want to feel like they're a burden. So you don't want to give them opportunity to think that either. And that really, I think, once again, ties into your joy and happiness with interacting with them helping them know that you're at peace, you're content, your joy is in the Lord. You know, you're not exhibiting that discouragement and despair 
that can be so tempting to default to in a season like that. But when they see that you're doing okay and you're at rest, I'm sure that that impacts them too. And again, just give them a sense of purpose, help them to feel useful still, because that takes away the feeling that they're a burden. I would often just let her do the dishes, even though I have a dishwasher because she wanted to do it because it just made her feel like she was contributing. So not to take that away from them. Yeah. And that is interesting. That was a major philosophy. I did the activity program at an assisted living home. And that was one of the main things is we always found ways to get our residents involved in volunteer projects because that's very common. That thought of I'm not I am a burden on my family, on society. I can't do anything anymore. I'm not the person I once was. And so they can just spiral down in discouragement. But if you give them, no, you are a valuable part of our society and your family loves you and you can still contribute and you have a lot of life wisdom. You know, we would bring groups of young people in and just let them talk with them. And the young people would ask questions and and we would let the young people introduce them to things, toys and things that they were interested in and really help facilitate those connections and interactions between those uh, generations. But yeah, they have so much to offer and really you have to be creative sometimes to find ways to let them still do those things. But, and it's maybe not always the easiest, like, you know, having your mom do the dishes, maybe you would have to go back through and do some of the (laughs) rinsing or something. Maybe it wasn't the easiest thing for you, but it was something that you could do to minister to their heart. And just, you know, practical things like checking, you know, she, she would want to make her own tea sometimes or thing, but then you have to follow be, behind her to make sure she did turn the stove off a couple of times where the burners were left on. So, you know, you let them do it, but then you have to be vigilant as well without letting them realize that's what you're doing. <laughs> sometimes you have to be very covert. <laughs> right, right. Oh, and I imagine it's the same when if you have children that you're, you know, you're getting them involved and in, in helping, but it's not the easiest way to do things, but you know it's for their good. So right. And because my mom was also a really good baker and just yeah, she was, you know, she was a homemaker. And so she had all these skills. And so I would try to have her teach me some things, you know, even though I could like look up a recipe and do it, but I would just have her say, okay, how did, how did you used to make this? And, you know, have her teach me. So again, that the role reversal wasn't always that apparent, you know, so that she was still actively teaching me some things, you know, get her to be involved that way. Well, Marcia, you... This was awesome. I feel like we covered a lot of ground and everything you shared, I know is going to be encouraging and helpful to the people listening. Is there any, any last thoughts that you have that you're just dying to share before we say goodbye here? I think having younger, because one of the things I was concerned about for my mom is moving her here. She didn't have friends here and her, she had such a wonderful group of friends where she was living. And so I wanted, that was one of my constant prayers was that she would be able to make some friends here. Well, God didn't exactly answer it that way in terms of friends, her own age, but a lot of my friends and yeah, younger women would come and just ask her wisdom on things and ask her to pray for different things. And I think, well, that's not provided. So you know that that was what was better, (laughs) but just uh, yeah, from a human point, if things, if prayers aren't answered exactly the way that you want them, just don't shut it off. Just be open to how God would provide in ways that would also 
be an answer to prayer just in a different way than you would have anticipated. And so my friends became my mom's friends. It was just wonderful to see how they made her a part of their life and just how she was able to minister to them in that way. And that takes some self-sacrifice and, you know, (laughs) giving up of your friends to your mom for some part of your interaction there. Right. But just again, just to see that and to to rely on and be confident in that God does answer prayer and just be open to how he's going to answer, not be stuck in the way that you want it answered. And just, I was reading George Mueller's Answers to Prayer book, one of those old moody classics. And, um, you know, if you come confidently before the throne of grace, you know that God is not going to turn you away. Just see see his answers as what is his best for the situation. That's really important. Thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you again, Marcia. This turned into an awesome like hour plus conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you and for allowing me to do this. I hope it will be helpful to some people. Oh, yes. And it was for me and I was so encouraged. So thank you for being willing to open up your heart and to share from your own personal experience and growth that you went through during that long season with your mom. And she is with the Lord, like you said, and that season did come to an end, but you have treasure, stored up treasure in heaven through that and grown in your walk with the Lord. So I'm sure as you look back on it, you are just encouraged by those memories in that time. 